And where where are you from? Are you from uh, No, you from? I live here. I've, I've lived here for in Stockholm for 23 years. I'm from uh, southern parts of Sweden, actually. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I'm, uh, I'm, I'm stuck here. Yeah. Wife and kids. And I could uh, I could think of worse place. I happen to be <laughs> one of the people that love Sweden more than almost anything. Right. I was just yeah. in Stockholm a month ago with my family. My, my, my wife is from Indonesia, and there was right. uh, they, they had like an event for two days at Kungs Gartenplatz. Right, yeah, yeah, okay. So we were there, and she was performing and things like that. And All it's right. like, uh, and then after that, we went a little south and lived on some small hotels in the woods and stuff again. Cool. Fucking, I love, I love like you know, you know, um, nice. the old the old red and white buildings. Uh, Urdegården. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I fucking love sure. And we were swimming in the lakes. Because yeah. I used to come here for, for so, every summer when I was a kid. Oh, right. With my youth club up to the, up near Rødby and, and things okay, like right, Karlskrona okay, and cool. things like yeah. that. And I just, I love it. Yeah. I'm from uh, Engelholm to begin with. Yeah, yeah, okay. Helsing boy. And, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, of course. You took the boat every yeah. now and then. Close to right. Helsing. Er. Yeah, we, we, you, you went to Copenhagen. I saw yeah. my first kiss show in Copenhagen. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. And all that, so. We're off to a good start. <laughs> off to a good start. We're here with um, Behind the Vinyl. We've got Nicholas and we've got uh, Mike Tram. Thank Thanks you for, for having me. Thanks for joining us, man. Uh, so you're, you're back in Stockholm. Yes, I am. Yeah, performing, Yeah, uh, which is great. You, you're literally on the road yeah. all the time. Well, I mean, as the music business changed, we're, we now basically have to take both the show and the physical album sale to the people like you know we're talking about vinyl but you know i mean this is the only way for people to get the vinyls for yeah. me to bring in them to them so this is a this is a traveling record store and a show love it great 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 nice. it's actually it's actually pretty charming it's yeah. it, it's it's rewarding yeah you know and i'm at no means ever thinking back about playing madison square i got that sort of just a it's just a blur yeah. This is reality. <laughs> well, how many shows do you do a year on average? Probably 200. Holy Probably cow. 200, yeah. 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 So, and which are your Europe or, or America? Yeah, I mean, I mean, usually when, when I do the trip across the channel to the US, I mean, I try to do close to three months because it's just like once you've done the journey and because America is is the way it is and and i drive myself to all the shows once you start that journey you might as well complete it basically which means about 60 shows over a three-month period and and four rental cars right yeah, yeah. because that's how much <laughs> mileage you put on yeah and it, it it basically just becomes a lifestyle more than anything else and in these days um when we're not sitting on a tour bus with a cold beer and watching, you know, a movie or something like that. I'm sitting behind, you know, the steering wheel and 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 watching and looking at the country, and and and, and getting something I didn't see back then, and I get a lot out of that. That's great. There's a lot of people who don't because they've been out up all night drinking, right. which means they have to sleep on the bus. Yeah. But I'm not one of those, and I've just I kind of embraced it. Well, we we hear that more and more now. You have yeah. um, like artists. Um, with the catalog, catalog artists, you know, yeah, people yeah, that have yeah, got music yeah. out there that, that are now coming and touring and, and going out yeah. and seeing the sites and saying, hey, we've been on the road for 20 years. Sure. Never seen anything. No. Yeah. You know, no. It's, a, cho a, it's a choice. It's times. a choice if you want to adapt to the situation or you want to be bitter and just make life miserable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. rock and roll, except for a few of the big ones, is a tough game today. Sure. So, you, you know, if you can have fun at it too and 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 in, in in include a few other things like stopping at antique stores 
going and, and USA got all these antique malls and it's basically like a museum because you go through time and you go through like maybe 200 years and you go back and you see those and of course once again we're talking about vinyl you find these small booths with 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 with, with these albums and stuff like that it, that's basically just like you know a treasure yeah. yeah and that is that is what makes a trip special Love it. The That's stage right. is the same. Every place you play, right. Right, yeah, you know, yeah. if it's it's sometimes bigger or higher, but usually there's a microphone stand and you stand there with the guitar and you play the songs and that's the same. Yeah, yeah. So make sure the rest of the day is different. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. That's a really good point. Oh, man. Um, so today we're going to talk about, um, I think we put it to you. you know, yeah, you did. Yeah. And, uh, and you picked? Yeah, I picked Heaven and Hell, Black Sabbath. Um, being 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 a massive fan of that album, yeah. especially because it is with Ronnie James Dio, yeah. and I think um, I think it took the sound of of heavy metal, which of course is a strange word because people have put everything in so many categories and diluted it and and you know calling it everything. But to me, Heaven and Hell is the ultimate album. It's almost like the foundation of everything. I understand that the, the original Sabbath is before, and I know Zeppelin and, and stuff again, and they're all part of my heroes. But I think in a combination of, of the new sound of, of the late 70s going into the 80s, where I think Dio managed to take the three other guys from Sabbath, based upon the final Aussie album with Sabbath, and then to this, is just incredible. I mean, the song quality is phenomenal the playing is phenomenal the audio is phenomenal it's it's just it's it's absolutely great but yeah. were you a, like a major sabbath fan before that album? no that's exactly what i wasn't right i exactly wasn't you know i was introduced to sabbath at an earlier age by an older kid and i was like it, you know it landed at the time when i was too young you know, I was into Sweet and Slade and then later on Queen and things like that. Very melodic, very well recorded and stuff like that. You know, where, of course, these days when you go back on, on, on you know, on a discovery trip and, and you discover where these albums come and you put two and two together, you understand that without those albums, nothing would happen today. There wouldn't be a metal band today without that Sabbath album, et cetera, et cetera. It's just that my trans forte is the ultimate on heaven and hell. And, you know, Dio had come from Rainbow, of course, and also, to me, the combination of, 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 of Blackmore and Dio together was also something that he just took Deep Purple one extra step. And, 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 and uh, Ronnie James, Dio brought an incredible amount of, of, of lyrics and melodies to, to something that wasn't in Deep Purple. And and so so when you look at this at the, at the track list of this, I mean it's like it brings tears to my eyes. It's just a phenomenal <laughs> album. Um, talking about Dio for a sec, is there any artist that you can think of that has had three classic albums in in three different bands? No, I can't. No, no. Obviously, no. he had it with. Um, yeah. You could argue the point soon that he'd have four with the band Heaven and Hell because I think. Yeah, yeah. Of course, Heaven I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Amazing. But so we've got Black Sabbath, Heaven and Hell. We got one in Rainbow, and we got. Yeah. Uh, that is an incredible thing that I think that you know that's obvious that you give him the credit because you know I some this is this is a silly comment but it is a fact you could put Mike Tramp in in Black Sabbath but I would sound like Mike Tramp you could put Dio in anything but he he sounds like Dio he brings in so much 
He, he, I mean, you can't just, or can you just sing this song? Nah. This is what we're going to do. We're going to start from scratch, and then I'm going to take the melody to where it's going to go. You know, right. This is not a vocal line that is put on top of just a Tony Iommi riff. Yeah. You know, D was along from the beginning. And of course, I, you know, being a, a major Dio fan and also uh, tonight playing my tribute to Dio, which is called Him for Ronnie, which brings, goes through entire career of Ronnie James Dio, where I'm using both the, the titles and lyrics from Black Sabbath and Rainbow, stuff like that. You see the impact. You see the impact and the footprints the man has left. Were you into uh, his band Elf as well? Do you like that stuff? Well, Elf is something that I discovered later on because, I mean, you know, um, when Rainbow played in Denmark in 1976, I was only half a year into my first band and I was only 15 and a half years old. We were asked to support them. We didn't know who they were. I mean, we didn't know who the headliner was. You asked to support Elf. We were, no, no D, R- R- Rainbow. Oh, right, oh, right. Rainbow, right, right, and, right. and we show up at the venue and seeing tonight Richie Blackmore's Rainbow. And we were sitting at the front row watching the soundtrack. And after the first song, I go to the drummer. You got to be fucking kidding. We, we, we will be lynched tonight. Let's go. I wouldn't be here today. I would have been damaged for life. <laughs> So, so no, Elf is something that comes as you as you start getting into the Dio history and start, yeah. you know, it, eventually, I, I don't even think I discovered the story about Elf until it became Ronnie James Dio. Right, right, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so this whole album actually sounds more Dio than it does Sabbath. Yeah, absolutely. He, he totally changed. Yes. If you were reviewing that album and said that, I would agree with you. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. And even to the point is... Um, you know, like a couple of the songs, well, "Children of the Sea" was oh. written, it, it was started off writing with Ozzy. Yeah, and and Ozzy sang that. I didn't know. No, yeah. and, and Ozzy sang on it, but then Ronnie come and from what I understand, the first jam he had with Tony Iommi, um, they ended up with the version that they, True. you know, that they have now. Yeah, and he totally changed changed the melodies, changed the vocal, the vocal, the lyrics and the and the delivery of the vocal yeah. lines, and and he's often talked about how Ozzy would sing. With the riff, yeah, exactly, the, yeah, yeah, exactly. With the guitar tone, whereas Ronnie would take it in the whole. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Of course, Ozzy was just singing the, uh, you know, just singing like the black keys on a piano. Exactly. I mean, he uh, listen. He opened those doors and he created that whole foundation. But the, we're in a different world where it, you can't compare them. I think it's the same thing. Like I said, you can't compare David Roth and with the Sammy Hager, Van Halen. Years. They're they're two completely different worlds. Absolutely. You know, because even Van Halen changes their sound at that time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's one of the, it's interesting you mentioned the Children of the Sea where Ronnie starts by singing In the Misty Morning. And in my song, uh, Hymn for Ronnie, my first opening line is on a misty May morning. Okay, interesting. Where he passed away. And, it's right, like, right. And, it, and to me, I'm sitting in my apartment in Denmark and I could have written 50 verse because the lyrics just, it, it, was, it was like, you know, building Lego. They just fitted so well on top of each other. And it was such a brilliant, uh, you know, and every night when I play the song, it just, it gives me goosebumps. Did, uh, did you meet him? So you, you yeah, I, I was very fortunate that in the end of 1993, together with Freak of Nature, we played, we toured six weeks with Ronnie, with Ronnie on the Lost Highway album. Actually, right. I did, I did yeah. know yeah. that. Yeah. And yeah. became really good friends with him. Yeah. Sweet guy. I worked with him for quite, yeah. quite a few years. Yeah. Sweetest guy. Sweetest, sweetest guy. Yeah. yeah. 
So what, what can you remember from that time? You know, what was... Uh... Well, I mean, there, there are several things about because already at, at, by the time I joined, Free, uh, not joined, start Freak of Nature, I've already met a lot of my rock and roll heroes and I've, I, they're not my heroes anymore. <laughs> so now you're meeting Ronnie James, do you? And, and um, this is just something different. Um, because if you listen to the voice and, and, and what to imagine, where, where's, where's these lyrics coming from and all this stuff, and now you see this gentle man that sings his first note when he goes on stage to do the show. That's no big, you know, we, we, we used to do a lot of warming up, singing the whole band together and dressing for that. And finally one day Ronnie's a road man who came and says, you know, Johnny, could you just keep it down? Ronnie just likes to rest before he goes on stage. And, and I was in there thinking that he was like doing devil worshiping, you know, and, you know, slaughtering goats and doing, you know, stretching vocal cords. And the man is probably just in there sitting reading, you know, Charles Dickens. And then he goes out and starts with We Rock. And the first note he hits that night is Powerhouse. Yeah. So, you know, and then as you go around, Ronnie, you, you, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just this gentle man with so much inside him. Yeah. Saved for the show. No form of rock star manner in the backs or, you know, I mean, he's a star in himself, but there's no, you know, oh, you know, clear the hallway, I'm coming there or anything. Like, I can't sit and have a cup of tea in the cantina next to the support band. And I, you know, I think maybe only from a few guitar players that work with him, everybody else in the world would only say nice thing about him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That's true. Well, That's a lot true. of people we've talked to, like um, Lizzie Hale from Hailstorm, yeah. says nothing but good things about him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but basically everyone, everyone you talk to has, has great memories. Yes. Um, but let's play, uh, let's play a track. Uh, let's play um, uh, Neon Knight's opening track. And um, we'll talk to you Go, 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 cow man it's like it's just one of those things man that that you know sometimes there are you know forerunners for how an album should be put together you know and i think with this album is that ultimate thing about let's just hit them hard right yeah let's just hit them hard that's a great track and Ronnie just goes through some medieval track, you know, lyrics and things like that, and and combines, of course, the modern day with the, you know, with the tongue in cheek, you know, neon nights and things like that, you know. Yeah, I, I wonder what it was like when it came out because uh, Sabbath, we're on the way out, oh, we're yeah. on the way down. Yeah. Techni uh, technical ecstasy was just beforehand. Yeah. It was basically a flop. Um, ironically, Sharon introduced exactly at some party Tony somewhere. Right. Yeah, yeah. Tony yeah that's it's a like. that's that's a very interesting thing because basically, also as the Aussie coming out, they both are basically sort of like almost forgotten. Yeah, yeah, you know, and they're both return very strong. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. But that's also because the, the initial idea 
when when Dio and Naomi met was that they were going to form some other band, some side project. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, that made made sense. Into, uh, yeah, turn into the whole thing. Yeah, and and I remember I, I read a quote somewhere from from Don Arden, Sharon's uh, of course, dad, yes, where he said that uh, you can't have a midget singing for Black Sabbath. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, this is a classic way. I'm sure Mutt was slinging around the room, you know, yeah, and things absolutely. like that. And then yeah. somebody came up and said, you know what? This is what we're going to do. We've yeah. got a brand here. Yeah. You know, I think they call Gene Simmons. Right. I said, you know what? This is all about money. Yeah. Go for it. Another interesting fact is um, Ronnie started the band as the bass player as well. Exactly, yes. He, he was he the did. bass player in Black yeah. Sabbath because Geezer was going through divorce and was a little bit in doubt whether yeah. he was going to continue. I think all the guys... They were all having trouble. They were all having trouble. Yeah, Bill Ward was all... Yeah. Bill yeah. Ward was, and, and soon Drugs left, yeah. left mid-tour. Yeah. Well, guys, you're, you're pulling me through a documentary. These are facts <laughs> that I don't know, and, and that's very interesting. I'm very happy that that didn't happen. Right. No, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> because we wouldn't be sitting here sitting no. talking about probably no. one of the absolutely best hard rock heavy metal albums ever. Yeah, right. Yep, it's right. up there right next to Highway to Hell. Right, right. Amongst right. many. Yeah. Well, absolutely. And, and few bands have two like this. Like, I, I guess I guess ACDC have Highway to Hell and, and Back in Black. Back in Black, yeah. yeah. And that's that. around the same time as well. Yeah. You know, it is 1979, that. 1980. You realize uh, that's a changing of the guards yeah, right there absolutely. where... You know, now we had the, the 70s, of course, a new wave of British heavy metalists start making some noise and stuff like that. But I think with, with this album, the fidelity, we, we can't forget about that. I think the fidelity is so perfect on this album. You know, you're playing noisy hard rock, yeah. but the hi-fi sound on this album is brilliant. Yeah. And, and we, we talked about it before we got the microphones turned on. Martin Birch, yeah. Yeah. one of my favorite engineer producers, the kind of right. in, you know engineer producer, well, he doesn't really produce, he captures the band. Yeah, yeah. And he, of course, he did the same thing with, with, with Deep Purple. Yep. Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden, Rainbow, yeah, and yeah. it's just, you know, if there was a guy that I would just love to work with, of course, not necessarily in my own sound, but just because of the way he captured the White Snake, exactly. uh, you know, they're phenomenal albums because you feel that you hear the band in the room. Yeah, they're not drowned in reverb, which the '80s became part of the big Def Leppard snare drum, and then everybody copied. And suddenly, we're like, you can't hear the singer; he's out in the reverb. But but the Martin Birch era, man, with these albums, they're phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, and it's got to be. I think it was Dio that brought it. Has in to be Dio. It has to be Dio. He's worked with them in, in Rainbow and so on. There you go. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Yeah. They did Blue Oyster Cult the same year, 1980. Yeah. Oh really? Well, yeah. I can't remember the name. It's got this weird name. There yeah. is a lot we have to rediscover. Exactly. It's as simple as that. Absolutely. And obviously, he did the Maiden up until he retired. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Exactly. And, and Maiden yeah. kept him until yeah. he decided oh, yeah, to yeah. retire, yeah, yeah. and then they replaced him. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's not yeah I know, I know we're going up, but that's not an easy band to record Iron Maiden. No, right. right. That that takes a lot to get all that stuff out of the speakers. Right, yeah. right, yeah. yeah. Especially with that bass player. It's <laughs> a lot of happening there, man. <laughs> On the air. 
a lot of the music we like yeah. you know from the era where, where you had you know success with White Line yeah yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And, oh I mean this, it was a great time yeah it was a great time it was a an lot important of, time in rock and roll and, and, and sometimes the the uh, the hair and the stuff like that we talked about Cinderella the other day yeah um, how great great band great great band and Night nice Songs with a great yeah. great yeah. album phenomenal yeah. and you sometimes look and you get uh, someone now would be turned off by the cover you know, the way they looked at I agree. the purple and pink. I agree. And, and not explore what a great record that really right. is. Sure. Since, since, sure. since your radio audience loves stories, I mean, in, in, in those early 80s days, when uh, my manager, Wide Lines manager, used to own a big club in Brooklyn called the Morse. Right. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. so I'm living at his house, and all these bands that were, you know, from from the tri-state area, which for 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 our audiences like New Jersey, Philadelphia, Baltimore, stuff like that, would be sending these cassette tapes in. And I remember hearing the first demos of Cinderella with Tom Tom Kiefer singing all "Nobody's right. Fool" and stuff like that. Yeah. Nice. So and saying, okay. Here we go. There's a new something new arriving, and that's great to be part of that. Yeah, that's really cool. absolutely. So, so touching on your career a little bit, um, I think everyone knows, and obviously, you know, you you're still stuck with the White Line tag. Even yeah, yeah, yeah. You had eleven solo records. This is your eleven solo record now. Yes, it is. Uh, yeah. You got out. Um, but we touch base. Obviously, Nick is a little bit of a Van Halen freak. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. And your story is just, <laughs> it's just amazing. The you know, I'm sure you've told it a million times. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, just one more time. No, 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 no. It is because I think I think I mean when you go back, it's very important that 42 years later, when you look back at your career, it is the mile, the milestones that 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 you pick out of, of the box that that makes you feel that you've lived a life yep. you might because looking at the bank account will, will just tell you that you didn't live a life <laughs> or had a career so it's important to open that box and pick out all these things and the thing is that everything happens because of something ha that happened before right. and like i said earlier and when i was 15 and a half years old and joined a band in denmark not even finishing school they're 10 years older than me and suddenly i'm i'm in the music business not looking back, just continuing, and after a short while, taking it serious, and then moving on and on. And then a few years later, I'm now becoming the big rock fan, and I'm start writing the songs and telling the band, this kind of bassy roller stuff we're doing is just not happening. We gotta go on, and I'm be I'm becoming a big, big American rock fan. I've grown up on the English bands, and that had that sound. But once I started hearing bands like 
REO Speedwagon, Journey, Cheap Trick, Kansas, the melody and the beautiful singers. I mean, you know, if I can say that about me, it was just a different compared to Ian Gillen and, and Ozzy singing, you know, where the, that was the dark on the mean rock voice. But here was somebody playing rock with a phenomenal voice. So I got really there and, and I remember... Um, when when I heard the first Van Halen album with the band and we were sitting in the house and we just sat there for like half an hour with the Joel and says, what the hell is this? Where is this coming from? And, you know, from that day on, I became a massive, massive Van Halen fan. And already were a huge Freddie Mercury fan. So when somebody says, you got to see the singer, he does sort of what Freddie Mercury does. He uses the stage. He's not standing like Ian Gillen, you know, just Aussie glued to the mic stand and not talking. This guy's using the stage. So once I started, you know, seeing clips of, of Roth and stuff, like I says, I molded myself around it. You know, right. I says, this is what I want to be. I, I never thought about that. I would never sing like him. That was, it was just like, this is, you know, a, pa a pair of pants that fits well, great looking hair, a guy that takes the <laughs> stage. So later on, when we're living in, 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 in Spain, Madrid, Spain, we're in the same record company as Van Halen. They're coming to Spain to promote Fair Warning their fourth album. All right. And I go to the record company, is there a chance that I can meet the guys? And and so the guy goes to me, you know what? You do speak some broken Spanish. You go to the airport with four limousines and pick up the band. I go, what are you fucking kidding? <laughs> anyway, I go to Madrid airport, which is like 5,000 Spanish people. And then there's one guy in a leather jacket with blonde hair and a Van Halen t-shirt. And the first guy that comes out is David E. Roth. Right. And he must have been 20 meters tall. It's like a giant. And I'm just standing there fucking shaking my pants. And he looks around. And, he, and he's got dark sunglasses on. He looks pissed off. But finally he looks at me and goes, there's got to be something about this guy there. So he comes up to me and goes, who are you? And, and I'm like, you know, hey, you know, the record company sent me to pick you guys up. You got a joint. <laughs> And then, the, and then the introduction started. Yeah. Then the guys came out. But the, 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 the great thing about the story, Van Halen was only there to do some radio interviews. So, so at the hotel, nobody was, no fans were waiting. And stuff like that. So they really took me in. And I don't think they've ever taken another person that close to the band because I was really close to them. And me, them, and all this kind of stuff. And we had a great time and stuff like that. Later on, when I met Eddie many times and things like that, he remembered the story and stuff like that. But the, the special moment was one time when we were going to go out to have Spanish food. And Roth didn't want it. He says, I just want McDonald's. So, so they say, take him to McDonald's. And we go to McDonald's. And I go up and, and I pick up some cheeseburgers from him. He's very simple. He doesn't want Big Mac. He's just, just give me some cheeseburgers. The worst thing you can actually get at McDonald's. But this classic <laughs> Roth. So we're sitting there in, 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 in the center of Madrid at McDonald's. And these two Spanish girls come up and ask for my autograph. <laughs> And he said, because I haven't I haven't said anything about that. I actually have a career in Spain. Right. I'm in like a teen idol or something like that. So after I signed the autographs, I say to them in Spanish, "You should get this guy's autograph." too. and he writes down, "David Roth, Van Halen." And then after after that, you know, you know, we, he, you know, he takes me in and stuff like that. And you know, one one time I'm up in his room, and 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 you know, he he's one of the first ones I've seen carry around a ghetto blaster. This is 1981. Yeah. And I says, fuck, we're going to listen to rock now. And he puts on like New York disco. And he just sits there, man, fuck, ain't this great? And I'm like, this is my idol. 
I thought we were going to listen to ACDC. I have just really have just finished my album. And, and to kill my band and stuff like my sound, I came up with this idea, we're going to change the name of the band and as we're changing the sound. And now I call the band Stutz. And it's, 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 from, it's, from the, it's from the spiky things in leather jackets that are read about in the English newspapers, like new musical experts. They always refer to the new wave of British heavy metal uh, you know, bands in their studded leather jackets. I said, Stutz? Holy shit, if there ever was a great rock name. And I, I drew these two Stutz, like two German hand grenades, and I says, here's a metal cover. It's just that simple. Now I got the vinyl, now I got the vinyl and, I, and I bring it to Roth. And I'm just waiting for the moment in his, in his hotel room because I think I'm going to give this album to him and he's going to say, you're the support band on the next Van Halen right, tour. Yeah. I think that's how it work, rock and roll works. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I give it to him and he sits with it for a second. He goes, Stutz, that ain't going to work. They think you're the new village people in New York. And it took me like, it took me like days to understand. I took it back to the band. He says, he says, he says the American audience is going to think we are the new village people. I wasn't com you know, connecting the word stuts that in America right, is something yeah, yeah. else. Right, yeah, yeah. You know, somebody from a porno movie or something like that, you know. So, I mean, it's, 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 it's one of those. Later on, when I finally met David again, later on, after the Van Hilliers, and he's doing his Las Vegas show. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. I am backstage because this story is so incredible. Because he comes from, he's the one who created the backstage party. Right. Van right. Halen yeah. created the backstage party. It's just that simple. So now we're there and there's only four people backstage. One of them is me. The other one is my wife at that time who made David's clothes on the first three albums. The red, the red and white uh, pants right. He, right. he wears on the poster on the second album. Right. That's my wife that did, ex-wife did that. Dad. And they the, dated too, right? And they yeah. dated too. Right. The other person is the photographer Neil Slozauer, right. most yeah. legendary yeah. rock yeah. photographer, yeah. 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 David's friend. <laughs> but David is treating my wife and me like we just flew in from Kansas. Right. And he doesn't know us. Of course, I mean, you know, and it's, it's so it's just class. He goes around, he goes to the security, Eddie, get them some Jake D. And we're just playing along. And after when we came home, my, my ex-wife just go to me, you got to be kidding. I dated this guy. <laughs> I saw him naked when I measured the pants. <laughs> but this is classic DLR. Yeah, 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 yeah. Always in character. You know, I mean, rock and roll bands have been known 
to borrow a little from all oh, the sure, bands, sure. both in songwriting and oh, yeah. and stuff like that. And, yeah. and every imagery and absolutely. artwork and absolutely, and and that's totally okay. Yeah, I, I think it's totally okay. Yeah, like it's a. There's actually a Van Halen story that that Eddie Van Halen tells Punky Meadows, which was a guitar player from the band Angel. Yep. Oh yeah, absolutely. And yeah. you know, this is the LA scene that they're doing. You really got me. Yeah. And Angel goes in to record. You really got me. Yeah. And suddenly Eddie finds out. Says, "We got to get this song out." Exactly. True. True. That's funny. I, I never heard that one. No, but it's just stuff that sometimes appears. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> but but it's uh, it's probably the. The, the what do they say? It's the the greatest compliment. compliment. Yeah, exactly. Compliment. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, right. Yeah. 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 I wonder how if there was to be a compliment stealing someone's wallet. A <laughs> <laughs> oh, girlfriend. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't think there was. I thought it was a limit. No, no. It was just, oh, you can you can steal half of my guitar riff. <laughs> David Mustaine told me that one man. He says, man, I don't know if you're aware it, but you know, I bored a little from one of Vito Brada's guitar riffs. Oh, oh right. really? I know, you know, and then you you sit there because he was playing together with with James Lomenzo, right. the ex yeah, yeah. bass player, one line, Absolutely. and he just goes like that, and he says, "You were a big influence on me," and you wouldn't have thought that. No, but it's just when guitar players listen to other guitar players, they don't look and say, "Oh, that's the pretty boys; they play pop music." Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, well, White Line hasn't been around for how many years now? Yes, yeah, since '91. And and, right, and yeah. Vito is still to this it still day. Is, his, yeah. his guitar yeah. influence is still. If it you, is. If you put it's him, a sad symbol. He yeah. was incredibly unique, which which was, of course has made it tough for me both to answer the questions and and also the human race does not understand when talent let talent go. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Because most people don't have talent and wish they had talent. Now you have somebody who has talent but decide that they don't want to use it anymore. Yeah. Right, yeah. Nobody of us understands that. No, right. no. Right. But let's let's um probably something that's happened to a lot of these bands like the Black Sabbaths and uh, and and the Motley Crues and all that kind of stuff. You guys when you did your first album, you literally got dropped as well. Yeah. You signed yeah. To, to Warner or Electra. 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 Yeah, it's Electra. We actually got signed shortly after Motley Crue had right. released yeah. Shout of the Devil. Right, yeah. And there are a million different stories going on. We've never really gotten the true story why a band would pay, or why a record company would pay a band $200,000. Uh, go through the album shoot, get the cover done and stuff like that, and then call our managers and say, you know what? We're not going to release the album. We're going to drop the band. But you know what? You keep the money. All right. Huh. But, and you know what? That $200,000 in the bank didn't matter to us. We wanted to have our album out. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Huh. You know, that's... that's. Um, i got to be careful what I say here. You know? <laughs> <laughs> because... You know, you, you lose one or two people that are that yep. are fighting your cause. It's literally yep. can be one or two people in a yep. label. Exactly. That yeah, yeah, yeah. As simple as that. And yep. make sure, and you lose those people whether yep. they move, exactly. or whether they get fired, yeah. exactly. and then you can. There's a lot of animosity if somebody signed you and the other person didn't agree with you, man. The second they're not there, you get in the axe. Exactly. Right. You know. Right. So it's. Uh, and and I had, recently I had a conversation with my my old manager from White Line who actually brought some other things. You know, on the table, which really I wasn't aware of. And it's sometimes when you used to complain, 
you know, in, in the past. And I remember Vito and I, oh, man, they're not doing this. And then suddenly, 30 years later, you get the other side of the story, knowing that they were fighting the record company daily because the record company had basically given up on the band. Now I'm talking about Atlantic Records right, on the first right. White Line album. The, the record company did not want to release When the Children Cry. They didn't think it was a good song. Yeah. And, the, and the management just kept pushing and pushing, and finally they gave in. And what happened? Yeah, exactly. exactly. You know, and it's just one of those things. Yeah. Yeah. So therefore, I don't believe that there's any fans out there that is l lucky. Yeah, you know, right. it is. It comes from from heartache and hard work, and and you know, and seizing opportunities. Exactly. The opportunities. Yeah, yeah. I don't believe in luck. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. It can go either way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so back to. Uh, Back to Black Sabbath. Yeah. Well, well, there's, a, there's a Sabbath connection with, with White Lion since you had Dave Smith. <laughs> you, you, you know what? We're just all related. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. it, is, it's a, it is a classic. I yeah. mean, if you bring in that story up. And, it, and, and it's come that, that they, um, we, we, our second bass player, this was, I mean, he was never really part of any recording. Right. Yeah. But he was in the band and, and uh, he, had, he, had a, he told us, you know, I got a call from a producer, um, Jeff Clicks, uh, whatever that he's doing, Tony Omi's solo album, right, and, and so he, right. exactly, and he, he went Stanley solo album. Yeah, he went right. down. So he went down to um, to I think Atlanta or something like that to record what's it called, Seven Star. Oh, uh, yeah, right. The, oh yeah, 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 yeah the, the Tony Omi solo yeah, album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one thing leads to another, and we we were in the middle. And finally done with shooting Broken Heart, um, the Fight to Survive version for Japan video. We've been filming all day and stuff like that, you know, low budget, but really working it hard. Then we get down like in the, we, we, we rented a theater and stuff. We get down in the dress room and we, you know, we, you know, get out of our spandex and our leather and stuff like that. And then he goes, uh, uh, guys, uh, Tony have asked me to join uh, his band and he's going to call it Black Sabbath. And we go, why didn't you tell us that before we put you in the fucking video? <laughs> so now we had to spend four days trying to cut him out, which was basically impossible because, oh, you know, right. you know, revenge and animosity. You want to just, you know, and it's just one of those things. I mean, we, we ended up still being friends. And, and, and I went I went to one of the first show and it was Glenn Hughes singing in it. Exactly. And after six shows, uh, you know, Glenn Hughes left yeah. the band because yeah. he, he, he was on... High strong on both yes. alcohol and yeah. drugs and yeah. stuff like that, and and then another friend of ours, Ray Gillen, Risk. came in and sang. You know, and it's just it was just a, you know a circus, and it's interesting that you brought this thing up because this is really the the epitome of like when is it when can you still use the original name, right? And oh, yeah. and and and, and, and and have dignity. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was called Tony Iommi's Black Sabbath, exactly. and there was also a time when a small project was called Mike Tramp's White Lion. Right. Yeah. And then I pushed it to the limit and, and called it White Lion for a short time because it looked better. Yeah. And, and probably about five minutes after that album came on, I regretted it because right. it didn't sound like White Lion. White Lion is a label of a sound of Vito Brown and Mike Tramp's songwriting. Yeah. But it took me, I had to go through, through that thing to discover that. And, and since then, yeah, I said, nah. Right, yeah, right, yeah. I can play the songs, but don't attach a white lion name to the poster. Right, right, yeah, yeah right. That's commendable, you know? Yeah, yeah but, you know, you, you have to burn your fingers, man, and stuff like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's just one of those things. Yeah. Absolutely. I saw you guys in 91, yeah. in, in Lund. 
Uh, I think you have Pink Cream 69 open up. Yeah, Mr. Big and Lund. Oh, if you saw us in Lund, that would have been 89. No, it wasn't 89, because I went there with a, with a then-girlfriend, and I met her in 90. Okay, okay, so, well, then there, that would <laughs> have Mr. Big. Mr. Big, Mr. Big played with us in, in, in Lund and, and, and Globen. Okay, all right. Probably. I can't yeah, yeah. Well, you remember her name. <laughs> that I do. Exactly. That That's I all do. that matters. Don't, yeah. <laughs> who gives a fuck what support band White Lion had? <laughs> oh, man. Right. Did, um, did you get to see the band, Black Sabbath, around this time? I have not seen um, Sabbath um, on that tour. I saw Heaven and Hell. I never saw her. I never saw the um, the Black Sabbath right, deal right. version. Right. right. Okay. I saw the um, the Heaven and Hell with Vinnie Appice and and and, and, yeah. and that later on. Actually, pro- one of the last shows that Ronnie played in Melbourne. Oh, oh really? Okay. Yeah. 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 Oh. And yeah. it was it was actually a very intimate show because. It, it, they hadn't sold a lot of tickets and they had moved in Rod Laver Arena, you're Australian, you know, they had moved the stage almost down to the other end. So it's almost felt like an amphitheater. Right. So I'm like sitting basically face to face with Dio, only just like five meters, you know, and it was, it was very special. But I could see that Ronnie was suffering. Right. Well, yeah, I right. was suffering, you know, but of course still did a, prefer, you know, perfect performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember one day... London Astoria when it was on Ronnie's solo album and um, we had to cancel some press he was going to do Kerrang a guy called Malcolm Dome yeah Mal's Mal, a good friend of mine so uh, so I'm like he's just too sick Ronnie's just too sick so I cancelled everything and then Malcolm and I were sitting at the Astoria on the balcony and then Ronnie just come on flawlessly and Malcolm just looked at me and just shook his head as in like he's not sick well, he was so sick that he had to use a save the energy for the stage. It saved right. the energy, and then uh, right. I remember going in and he had the bucket with the steam, you know, trying to clear, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. clear the sinuses. Actually, exactly. I mean, the, the talking is worse. So, in case I go on stage tonight and sound shit, I'm going to blame <laughs> it on you. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. <laughs> do so, do so. So, um, so back to Black Sabbath, um, Vinnie Appleseed. Um, Appleseed, is that how you say? Yeah, yeah, you know. They, 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 they say it differently, the, which is kind of funny. A lot of people say a piece of it, you know. The brothers say, you know. Exactly. But that's the way Ronnie, we, we we're going with Ronnie. Vinny Appleseed, <laughs> you know, that was Ronnie's way of saying things. Yeah. Richard Blackmore. Yeah. <laughs> and you go somewhere in, the, in in the black country in England and they'll say Blackmore, you yeah. know, it's like, you know, things like that, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, he joined, he joined when on Bill on tour Ward, yeah, yeah, yeah he's Ward, joining right? them on tour he's not it's yeah. Bill Ward on the album absolutely yeah. and then uh, and then it was uh, three times so this incarnation the the yeah. the heaven and hell era yeah. you know because it come back for the um, mob rules uh, mob rules but then after that they had a bit of a break and then they come back for um, dehumanized uh, the humanizer, oh, right, yeah, 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 and of yeah, course yeah. a live evil album, yeah, live yeah, evil which album, is yeah. a badass live album. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then come back. Can you play back. any heavier? No, <laughs> that is heavy right there. Yeah. Well, that was another thing that I read, like since since uh, with the also Ozzy solo thing that he released his live album around the same time as as Black Sabbath's live album. There's well, there was a lot of trash talk in the press and stuff like that, yeah. and also that that Ozzy had that um, that little guy. On stage, that he called Ronnie the Midget, which was a uh, oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, so like, yeah, yeah, a dig at, at Dio around yeah, that yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, regardless, some rock and rollers have done some 
shameful things. <laughs> it's all part of it. Sure. I think the uh, the music comes out of the speaker speaks for itself. justice <laughs> and I'm not putting myself in that category but but the singer from Great White once came up to me and says dude anybody looking like you should not be able to sing <laughs> I didn't know what to do but you should it's a way is it's like if somebody being given the voice of Ronnie James to you would not be given the body and the hair of, of David Roth it's just the way it is you know, it's just the way it is oh man oh Jesus Christ love it so, um, tracks on the record, Heaven and Hell. Ah, like, ah, what, man. what a great song. Yeah. And can you remember um, Ronnie in his solo band had a had a song called Push? And did you ever see the video when it had Tenacious D, Jack Black and Kyle doing? Yeah, for, yeah, of course, because he he was part of the movie, you know. He, he was part of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Right. Before that, if you watch the extended version of that, it's got Jack Black busking. Uh, they're busking on the street and they're actually doing an acoustic version of Heaven and Hell. Oh, okay. And then All I right. think Ronnie comes up and flicks a coin in and then it goes to the video. Oh, cool. So it just <laughs> shows, similar, yeah, no. yeah, it shows the impact and the power of oh, that song. Yeah. Like, this is, you know, years later and, and Tenacious D is, right. yeah, yeah, is yeah. even influenced from that. It's, yeah. it's great. I, th- I think basically uh, with that riff, Tony Iommi comes as close to... Um, early Black Sabbath way, where you basically look at, is that really a guitar riff or is that basically an elephant pulling right. another elephant? Yeah. It's because it's that heavy. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, it's that slow that it doesn't make sense. Like, right. And heaven and hell, he's brought that back in that riff. Yeah. If you look at how that riff is played on a guitar and stuff like that, many guitar players would never attempt that because it sort of seemed almost childish. Right. But the riff is that powerful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think there's few people that, uh, that, that that riff masters like there is no one like Iommi. You know, no. just constantly. Yeah, but and all that and all that with his fingers and the accident. Yeah, yeah, and yeah exactly. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Never happened. It probably would have sounded differently. Probably. Absolutely. And, yeah. 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 Yeah.
No, you. I mean, what can what can you say about that that riff? It, it's one of the pillars of hard rock foundation. Yeah, true. yeah, true. Yeah, absolutely. Next show we'll discuss what the three other ones are. <laughs> I have some contenders, but that is you just have to put that in there. Heaven and hell. Once again, it can go next to highway or hell. Right. Yeah. You know, absolutely. it's just it's just. I mean, you know. This is, uh, they're also living out in California. You obviously spent, you spent a bit of time. Yeah, I lived there. I lived uh, many years in California. Yeah. I wasn't influenced by California. I just lived there. That didn't influence your, your music? No, no, the, the, no, no. Basically because, I mean, White Lion was a New York band from a cold Brooklyn basement. Right, yeah. And I think, you know, that later on when we came out to LA, it was, it was end of 87. Um, when I saw the, you know, you know, moved in with my, my, my girlfriend at right. that time, we wouldn't have been that band because, you know, we weren't, we, even in New York, we weren't, you know, like the LA scene where people were hanging out on the corners because the weather, the, we were freezing our ass off. So we were concentrating on, on, on playing music and things like that. Once in a while we would, we would go out, but, but the LA scene, there's no doubt that Motley Crue could not have come from New York. No, right, yeah. It's a simple, <laughs> yeah. and, and neither could Van Halen. It's, it's that California yeah. lifestyle is that. Yeah. And it's just one of those things, you know, now you got, you got, you know, you got Twisted Sister and you got, you got White Lion for New, New York and that's, right. you know, yep. you know, we got, we got tough back yeah. there, man. You know, it's yeah. a different thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. Hey, Twisted Sister, we did one of these uh, a little while ago, Twisted Sister, it's, uh, you know, the, the, the facade of the dress and the makeup, yeah. they, they were, they were tough, hard, oh, sure. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hard, yes. hard gentlemen. Yes. Absolutely. They were, they were a big part of my manager's club, Lamore, and you know, if you see right. that, see well, the yeah, documentary, yeah, yeah, my yeah. manager's in there talking about them. And, it, and when I arrived in New York in 82, and people were talking about Twisted Sister, and this girl says to me, well, the singer's like Bette Midler. It took me a while to understand what that connection was. Yeah. And then later on, Vita would just say that, that, you know, Twisted Sister had created all these different things when they played. They always made you feel like we're not a local band from around the corner. Right. We're an international band coming right. in yeah. and all this different thing. They had all these different things. Nobody ever saw D. Snyder. He just arrived and then he took the stage right, yeah. and yeah. just ripped everybody in the audience apart. If you stood still or folded your arms, he would find yourself again. And, you know, I just, I got so scared of hearing about this guy, you know. And then later on, we ended up doing, you know, uh, some shows with Twister, Twisted. And, and, you know, of course, everybody was, you know, great friends and stuff like that and I became good friends with D and stuff like that and you know Eddie and 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 Mark Mendoza and things like that it was just you know you know it's like later on late many years later we was playing festivals they're good New York guys yeah, yeah, great yeah, New yeah. York guys with a lot of humor <laughs> again they could have not you know you might think that the glam but the glam was not LA right no, it was no. like you know that New York dolls it was a whole different thing you know yeah yeah Excellent. Phenomenal. Well, well, back then as well, I mean, which, which tour would you say was the biggest tour for White Lion back then? ACDC. All right. ACD, I mean, we had, we had started, I mean, arena tours, we had started with KISS. I mean, we had actually gone from Ace Freely to KISS. Right. Which was the arena yeah. and stuff like that. And then we had gone to, to Aerosmith. And you Aeros- come when you're on the tour, right? You got that. You yeah, got that yeah. It's just, this is just one of those. Just when you think it can't get any better, it gets better. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we were only one week into the Aerosmith tour when we're then told two days after we finish this tour, we're starting three months with ACDC. Right. 
And Aerosmith, were, it, was the, it was a permanent vacation. They were on the way back, so it was just Hell phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, Plus, yeah. they were really relaxed guys and stuff like that. But when we got onto ACDC, it was just probably, you know, the best live band in the world, so secure. We never saw the band and things like that. The machine they travel with, I mean, production, stuff like that. It was so together. And every show was sold out and everything like that and stuff like that. It was just phenomenal. Phenomenal. So, you know, you know, and here we go on stage every night. And it's like one of those things, you know, that it, after many shows, you know, Brian Johnson comes up to me one night and it's like the first time he says, it's really nice to see girls in our audience. <laughs> and, you know, it just took a little bit of time to, see, to feel if I was insulted. But, you <laughs> right. know, by, by adding White Line, which at that moment was, was selling a million and a half yeah, albums, yeah. we brought, you know, the, the, the last 4,000 in, which right. happened to be girls. Yeah. yeah. So it was, it was the ultimate. It's as simple as that. And then we went from there to Striper. All right. And then we recorded a new album, started with Aussie. And right. now we got introduced to a diehard Aussie crowd, which took a little time for us to, to adjust to. We had to change the set a few times. All right. And, and this is also where we learned that, you know, that's just the way rock and roll is. Yeah. You stand your ground and just let a couple of people yell Aussie here and, here and there. <laughs> and then it was Cinderella and stuff like that. So, you know, they were good years. Yeah, yeah. They were good years. Excellent. Nice, nice. Alrighty, um, I think we're done. Yeah, um, absolutely. We're going to end off with uh, Die Young, play out with that. Thanks for your time. Oh, um, what, a, what a track. What a track, <laughs> yeah. man. I tell you what, man, tomorrow, man, when I'm sitting in, sitting in the car driving to the next gig, I'm going to put this album on, man. You just forgot I haven't listened to it for so long. Right, yeah, yeah. But there was no doubt that when you says pick a vinyl album, yeah. it was going to be that album. Right, yeah, yeah. You know, That's a good one. That's really it's a good. great album. I think we've, we've tithered on this as well. This is one of the ones that we've been thinking of doing. So yeah. it was really great that yeah, you, uh, it is. you come and through. And of course, for all these new vinyl buyers out yes, there, yes, yes. highly recommended. Absolutely. Yeah. Highly recommended. Absolutely. Totally analog recorded. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Love it. Um, Thank you guys. Thank you. Time. Everyone, go check out what uh, what Mike is up to. Yep. And um and and follow him. Go and see him live. And you got uh, it. Support support his music. Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. That'll do. Yeah. <laughs>